Alright, this is the Ninjas of Another Color Podcast. This is your host, Dwayne Hotley. Today is June 24th. We have a good one in store for you today. Uh, rate us, review us, <clears throat> give us five stars at Spotify, Google, maybe Apple. You never know. On this week's episode, we have uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, the Creek, Creek Freak Drop 50. Um, did you know Optimus Prime voice character was black? I'll review Black Widow and Texas and Oklahoma trying to join the ACC and Masters of the Universe. They really did something this week. They turned the internet upside down. So this is Ninjas of Another Color Podcast. Let's get to it. Defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! right people he-man that started off our show tonight but we'll get back to that uh first story is the atlanta braves yeah the in currently philadelphia right now uh they took the first game uh seven to one they lost the second game five to one and i think they yep they won tonight's game 12 to 3. We're going to get some highlights from the first game in the series. Check this out. ERA. In fact, he's uh, allowed nine earned runs in his last 25 innings. He throws a lot of pitches. The last four starts, he's got five innings one time. There's a bullet hit to left by Ozzy. Odubel Herrera tracks it down on the edge of the track. Ozzy's going to try for two, and he'll slide in. Mr. Extra Base hit, Ozzy Albies has a one-out double, and the Braves have a first-inning threat. Well, Freddie's got a chance to play the run, and he unloads on the first pitch, a sinking line drive. Herrera knocks it down. Braves will have runners at first and third with one out. And the ball got away. Now Ozzy's going to try to score the ball, dislodged. Knapp couldn't hang on. Freddie into second, and the Braves take the lead. Oh, a dangerous head-first slide by Albies who got absolutely smashed at the plate. I love the aggressive base right now. I do not love that slide. Only two to Austin Riley. Swing and a miss. Two outs, first strikeout for Moore. 2-0 pitch, and this is hit in the air to right. Backing up on it is Harper. He's got a play. Moving to his left, he'll make the catch. And the side is retired. But the Braves score a run, and the 
Braves take the early lead here in this one. One run, two hits, and one man was left aboard. We'll go to the bottom of the first. It's the Braves, one, and the Phillies coming up. Outstanding. Look at those numbers, and even the last two. Dynamite, 18 strikeouts, only three hits and 14 innings pitched. Righties hit 211 against them, lefties 217. So not a big difference. You saw that lineup where they stacked the lefties. He gets hurt, and what Nick said earlier, one of his keys are make good pitches with guys on aboard that big inning because he has struggled with runners in scoring position. As Morgan fires a fastball past Jankowski, who asks if it was a strike, Ted Barrett says yes, and Charlie's got his second out. Harper's making Morton work. His 15th first inning pitch is on the way, and he pulled a string, and Harper strikes out. And Harper swings right over the top of that hook, and down go the Phillies, one, two, three. A couple of strikeouts for Charlie Morton in the bottom of the first inning. Hoskins hitting 232 on the season. He does have 21 home runs. 1-1 pitch, ground ball out to third. A lunge to his left. Riley's got it, flings it across the diamond. One down. Charlie Morton mows him down. Four up, four down. Two ground outs, two strikeouts. Bottom dropped out of that. Morton has his third strikeout, and he is pitching like he has everything at his disposal right now. He looks very confident. And very smooth. Two outs. The Phillies threaten here in the second. Charlie ready to deal his 42nd pitch of the ball game. And a 1-2. Swung on and missed. Got him with a curveball. Strikeout number four for Charlie Morton. And he's able to bounce back after giving up back-to-back two-out walks to Herrera and Torres. Two outs. Bases empty for Ozzie Albies. Ozzie doubled in the first inning. Swings of the first pitch and drives one out towards left field and a humpback liner falls in front of Odubel Herrera for a two-out single. Ozzie once again loaded up on that back foot, which on the way to Freddie. Ground ball through the shift and a base hit into right center field. Rounding second, heading for third is Ozzie. And Ozzie cruises into third base. Another base hit for Freddie. And the Braves keep the inning alive and now have runners at the corners. And the Braves have them loaded. Ansby Swanson a chance to break a one for 18 slide with a base hit here. Swing and a drive. He got all of that, baby. It's a grand slam. Gets a fastball middle. It is all over him. What a swing from Dansby in a huge home run. First grand slam of his career. Charlie Morton feeling pretty relaxed right now with a 5 nothing lead. I think I would. Mm-hmm. The way he's been pitching. Here's the 0-2. Curveball got him looking. That was a beauty. Strike three. Always nice to get a grand slam hit for you and then start the bottom half of the inning with the pitcher. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> Round ball toward the vacant side. All these can't come up with it with the umpire running in front of them. And the Phillies have the base runner with one out here in the third. One ball, two strikes for Jankowski. Runner at first, 5 nothing Braves. And a swing and a miss. That's six strikeouts for Charlie Morton. That is now seven straight games with six strikeouts or better. There's the 2-1 pitch. High in the air to center field. Should be playable for Guillermo Heredia. He's shy of the warning track. And he'll make the catch. And there's out number three. And that ends the bottom of the third inning. No runs, one hit, no errors, one man left. We have played three. We head to the top of the fourth inning. Braves who want to make a statement on this road trip, starting with this series with the Phillies, who have been very rude hosts. They've beaten the Braves five out of six times they've played at Citizens Bank. And now Arcia launches one to left. That ball is going to go. A solo home run. His second of the year. Second homer as a Brave. That extends the lead to six to nothing. 1-0 pitch. Swung on and lined towards right. Harper on the run to his left. He will make the catch. 
He has to slide to stop there and a little bit slow to get up. I think that the ankle probably still is a little bit of an issue for him. And he'll make the grab. The solo home run by Arcia will add to the Braves' lead as we go to the bottom of the fourth at 6 nothing Atlanta. Didi struck out his first time. Strike three. Gregorius took one inside corner, top of the zone for number seven. I love this pitch right here, the comebacker to a lefty. Double play. Freddie Freeman, the catch, steps on the pillow. Nothing Hoskins could do about that. Really solid start for the Braves tonight. Four very clean innings out of Charlie Morton. And the bats have given him plenty of support. Bryce Harper has struck out and flied out. And this one on the ground. Fair ball. Freddie takes a peek. And Stu Shorewater. Harper's retired. And just like that, Morton's got his second out of the inning. 3-1. Popped him up. On the infield, Riley coming in, near the mound. He's got it, and what a quick inning for Charlie Morton. One, two, three, go the Phillies. He set down six in a row again. He has struck out eight. He's got this game into the seventh inning for Atlanta. Bounce inside the third base bag down the left field line. Whoa, Arcia didn't see it right away. Dini's on his way to third, and the throw is not in time. Triple number one for Dini. Odubel Herrera try to get the Phillies on the board here in inning number seven. Dines went out toward left center field. That's going to be in for an extra base hit. It'll get the first run of the game home for the Phillies. An RBI double for Odubel Herrera. So Charlie Morton gets a big pat on the back. Six plus innings. He departs with a five run lead at Citizens Bank Park. It's Luke Jackson time. Light drive, base it is Yes, one. Here comes Torres. The throw coming to the plate is way offline. It's a 6-2 game. RBI for Segura. That's his second hit of the day. Let's see what Luke does way ahead in the count with runners at the corners. He did. Swing and a miss. Ball in the dirt. Jankowski thought he tipped it. And the Phillies settle for two in the seventh. Great job by Luke Jackson to preserve a big Atlanta lead and a brave at every base. Three balls and a strike. And Riley, a bases loaded walk, and Atlanta adds on. It's 7-2. Jesse Chavez finished this one off and earned the Braves their sixth win against the Phillies here in 2021. Here it is. On the ground. Dansby's right there. He's got it. How apropos is that? The man that hit the grand slam gets the final assist. And Brian Snitker, a milestone win, his 400th as the manager of your Atlanta Braves and this critical, critical road trip. That's right. They gave Snit his 400th win and they gave him another loss yesterday. They lost the game 5-1. to one. So... And they're back to two games under 500 before today. And also today they DFA'd Ender Enciarte. I was really pulling for Ender. I wanted him to get back to his all-star form. But guess what? I guess it's not going to happen. Hope he gets picked up by somebody else like the the Marlins or any teams that need a, a outstanding defender. Because I still think he has something left in the tank. Now, uh, Freed Max got roughed up yesterday, so a little worry about that. Um, yeah. Oscar Noah, he should come back 
next month, uh, within the probably the middle of the month, to go in the bullpen. And uh, they say Travis Darno is he's swinging the bat, so hopefully he'll come back soon and we'll win the division. Uh, this is uh, highlights from tonight's game. Check it out. 16th start, three and four, an ERA of 5.00. From Big side from Velasquez, and his first pitch is whacked into center field. One pitch, one hit. Here we go. And a good spot. On the outside corner, according to Angel Hernandez, here's Freddie Freeman with that incredible contact streak working for the Braves' first baseman. And he unloads deep to right field. That one's not coming back off the facade of the second deck. It's 2-0 Atlanta. He's been covering both sides of the plate, barely everything, and this ball is absolutely destroyed. So we're going to miss. Riley strikes out. Second strikeout for Vince. Dansby Swanson waves at that one. Three strikeouts in the inning. Drew Smiley, fellas, is on quite a roll. He's won five consecutive decisions. That's the longest win streak by any Brave starter in 2021. And a swing and a miss. Segura chased Smiley off to a good start. One up, one down. He got him. Swing and a miss. Real Muto upset. Wasn't a strike. Chased it anyway. Two up, two down. Two two to Harper. Shoots it the other way. Almonte, it's over his head. A one hop off the Yingling side. And Harper's on his way to second. He's there. Two out double. Cutchin to left, but Almonte's there, and that will retire the side. That'll bring Abraham Almonte up to the plate to see Vince Velasquez. Swing, and he belts one deep right field. That one's not coming back. 3-0 Atlanta. What a swing by Almonte. Last home run, June 7th. Been in a little bit of a slump. They tried to go slider away where Angel Hernandez gave him that pitch off the plate. Misses middle. And Velasquez knows right off the bat. Line drive by Freeman. He does it again. Freddie is two for two. Not going. And Miss Badley inside. Riley takes ball four. The inning continues. First and second with one out. Ansby Swanson, 0 for one tonight. Swing and a shot into the left field corner. That's going to score Freddie Freeman. Riley on his way to third. He is going to be held. Dansby Swanson with a double. Three straight Braves have reached and they've extended the lead to four to nothing. And the crowd in Philly tells you all you need to know. And it's Brandon Kinsler. And he's coming in in a rather difficult spot in the game. This is Abraham's second career appearance against Brandon Kinsler. He's one for one against him. Swing and a shot to right center field. That's down for a hit. That's going to score two. Almonte's having a great game. He's driven home three, and Atlanta extends the lead. It is 6-0, and all of those runs belong to Vince Velasquez. Gene lights one back through the middle of base hit. And a swing and a miss. Harper looks back and says, how did I miss it? The touch and draws a walk. As a base runner, you look at it and you think it might be a bar. 
There's the ball. That's a bomb. Yeah. Absolutely. Three umpires. Well, actually, all four called it. And 30 guys in the dugout. And ball four. That'll put two on. Back-to-back -back walks. Ball four. Three straight walks. Back to the mound. Out at the plate. And out at first. One, two, three. Double play. Breaking ball popped him up. Into shallow left. And Drew Smiley with one of the great Houdini acts of the year. Loads him up with three walks. A double play and a pop out. Preserves the shutout and a lead. Drew Smiley with a six-run lead through four innings. He is taken down for Josh Tomlin here. And a line drive base hit to, from Real Muto into right field. The two-out single. Harper to left. Almonte is there. And Josh Tomlin breezes through the fifth inning. That's a fair ball. Over the bag, down the right field line. Almonte on his way to second. The throw by Harper. He is out. He's out at second. Nine six on the put out. Maybe Mr. Almonte thought, you know, if I get a double here, I'm I'm one hit, I'm one triple away from the cycle. And he walks Heredia. So Josh Tomlin, we presume, is going to come on. And he lays it down perfectly. There's one play. And a sinker thrown away. And Tomlin is on his way to second, and the Braves have him second and third. 6-0 early. Braves try to tack on a couple more here. The infield comes in with Peterson up. First pitch, ground ball up the middle, a base hit. Heredia scores, and here comes Tomlin around third. He slams on the brakes, and Peterson never stopped running. He takes second. Line drive out to right field, base hit. Hutchins aboard. Reese Hoskins coming up. As Reese lines one out towards center field. Going back up to Serenia. Still going back. It's over his head. A one hop off the wall. McCutcheon to third. He's being waved home by Dusty. The throw by Arby's will not arrive. RBI double by Reese. The Phillies are finally on the board. Three balls and a strike for Swanson. And he hits one high in the air toward left center field. That's out toward the triangle. That's going to ricochet around. Herrera picks it up cleanly, but not before Dansby picks up his second double of the night. Five ball, left field. Hit pretty well. Playable, though, from McCutcheon. About three steps through the track. Let's see if Ozzy can get in on the hitting fun. And the Braves are frolicking tonight. And Ozzy unloads deep to right field. High leverage. High and gone off the facade of the second deck. Ozzy Obis extends his hitting streak to four games with his 16th home run. And the Braves are pouring it on. It's 10 to 1 in the eighth. Ronald Torres, a position player, is going to pitch here in the eighth inning for the Phillies. Top of the eighth inning. Riley unloads. 68 coming in. About 108 going out into the second deck. A two-run homer for Riley. And the Braves are bombing away in South Philly. It's 12 to 1. Jack swing, ground ball to second. All these bobbles, kicks it, everybody's safe. A run scores. It's 12-2. 
lines it out to center field. Already is there, makes the catch. Tagging from third is Hoskins. Throw goes to third. Sack fly for the pitcher. So back to the top of the order, Jack Peterson in search of a four-hit night. Uh-oh, Jack Peterson unloads. That one's going to go a long way. That one's out of here. Peterson has four hits. He's hit the fifth homer of the night for Atlanta. And that's the second one given up by Torres. And the Braves are pummeling the Phillies tonight. It's 15-3. to Yep, and now the Braves are one game under 500. Four games. Four, yeah, because the Mets lost. Four games out of first. They're showing you that they can hit. Just need to show up the bullpen. I really think they should have traded for Chris Bryant, but we had to give it up a lot for that. And I'm not ruling out um, Crimble. Craig Crimble. He'd be a good piece on the back end. Yeah, okay, the game's at 12 o'clock tomorrow, so we will see if they get to 500 and possibly three games out of first place. And now we're going to move on to Giannis. But before, this is the Ninja of Another Color podcast. Rate us, review us at Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Give us five stars so we can become the number one podcast in America. And now we're going to Check out game six of the NBA Finals. Uh, it's been like a couple of days if you didn't know. Spoiler alert, the Bucks won. I've always said from before, the Bucks would have won as long as they made the adjustment to find out that they're bigger than the Suns. But let's listen to the highlights. With Paul and Booker in the backcourt, and his team three consecutive wins. A crowder. Monty Williams says Mikel Bridges running the floor, shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. Once again comes out of nowhere and throws it off the backboard. Giannis down the other end, he packs it home. That's a fairly good way to get the crowd fired up in the opening minute. Booker answers. And that's a win. It'll just got Booker on. Step back, leans in, feet inside a Holiday. Holiday to Lopez. Lopez able to finish. Left alone, tries the three-pointer, got it. Chris Paul from downtown was the second drive by Holiday. Middleton on the steal, bad pass from Bucker, and Middleton with the flush. Off the mark. Match up will go. Middleton for three. Foul. Middleton picking up his first. Eight gets it down low. And a foul call on Milwaukee. Six already. And there's still four and a half to play here in the opening period. Crowder the floor. That's up and good. Jay Crowder makes the defensive of the other outstanding defense play by Drew Holiday. So it's easily given up an easy two. Portis. For three. You're two and fifteen. I'm two and fifteen with you. Cameron Payne just in the game, knocks out. Lineup right now with Portis, Giannis, and Tedekupo inside. 
quick passing sequences. It's too much hand. Hold on to the ball. The spin move. The finish. Giannis does it. Cameron Payne finds his spot. And that rattles in and out. As we wind down the first quarter. Giannis the drive. Shot won't go. Lopez on the follow. Pulling the rim down, which you could make a case it did. You just want to disagree with me. <laughs> Cameron Payne again. Cameron. Nice feet inside. Blocked by Antetokounmpo. He missed close to the rim all season long. He's got to be better. Dan Johnson connects on a three. To an early lead. And the Bucks fight back. And now the Suns give them a taste of their own medicine. Eight good defense to work with them. Unfortunately, I also had to work with Mike Fratello. <laughs> Bobby Portis. He plays with passion. And Bucker gets inside. Deuce Bridges has it. Shot clock down to four. Bridges is going to have to put it up. Now off the bounce. Gets inside. The runner's up and good. Look at him. Long, drawn-out isos. Chris Paul gets inside. Banks at home. And the Suns of your own Driver sets the screen, Paul gets inside, creates some space, knocks it down here in this second. An 18-point turnaround. That's had a good ball, gets inside. And Monty Williams showed in his eulogy. I would encourage everyone to go. Under three minutes remaining, DeAndre Ayton is limping up the court. Chris Paul the fake. Pulls up, jump shot from Paul is good. And Paul's finding enough room and separation to get off his mid-range jumper. And that is a paint jumper. Contact allowed. Here we go again with the switch. Paul trying to sell that contact inside. Beautiful feed and six to shoot. Booker on the drive. Gets inside. Triple team. Finds Cam Johnson. Shot clock winding down. Booker blocked by a Jenna And a 24-second violation. And that's by Giannis out of the double team. Middleton having a little bit of trouble getting going. Chris Paul knocks down another hit. Holiday talks about. As Bridges drives down the other end. Left handed block by Antetokounmpo. For that Holiday was brilliant in game five. One of the best games of his life. Antetokounmpo gets the roll. Effort to run the floor. Giannis tries a three. That's good. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giving his team life. Now 3 for 14 as Aiton gets a beautiful feed from Chuck. Parker trying to use his strength. Shot clock winding down. Tough four-way shot. That's good. Oh, what a tough shot. And Fedegrupo calling for it. Goes against Crowder. Gets inside. Banker won't go. The rebound. Back up and in. Roots. All is for the Rocket Team 8. Crowder. Fires away. Cabot and the foul. Be honest. Backs in, leans, pulls up, jump shot, got it! Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo to Holiday. Holiday the drive, finds Lopez, cutting and slamming! Brooke Lopez with authority! Well, the Bucks go up by three. Turn around here in this quarter. Suns led by seven, now trail by five. Chris Paul, a nice soft touch. Crowder, and connect, fight for the rebound, Kaminsky. Back out to Crowder. He sets, fires, and hits. Jay Crowder is Connaughton. Five to shoot. And a Kupo. Kicks it out Holiday. Holiday for three. Pumps it in as the shot clock expires. Booker drive. Shot clock. 
Street with his first point. Nice speed for Booker. Middleton throws it up and in. He's got 20 points here in the third. And it's 12 of 13 from the line. Hey, this is Portis off the bounce. Pass deflected. Loose. Picked up by Booker. Booker drives inside and gets it to go. Rebound taken by Payne. Booker inside, Kaminsky, and throws it down. And it's back to two. Here comes Holiday, three-pointer. It's good. Through him. With a big bucket to put the Bucks up by three. Paul the floater and the foul. Running the rebound. Throws it ahead to Portis. Portis goes up. Knocked out of his hands, out of bounds. And it's still going to be Milwaukee ball. Portis trying to block Chris Paul from... Talking to Scott Foster. That's a bizarre sequence. And Portis once again. Booker on the drive. Left handed shot blocker for Kukonis. Middleton off the bounce. Throws it up. Back shot. No good. And Tanakupo with the foul. Booker and Paul. Paul step back, shoots over. Giannis and rattles it home. Holiday back on Booker. Antetokounmpo picks him up. Booker's blocked by Antetokounmpo. That's five. Monty Williams. Holiday double team. Finds Portis. Portis hesitates. Now drive. Gets inside and finishes. Bobby. Shot clock at five. Booker behind his back. Leads in. Falling away. That's good. Devin Booker. Picks it out. Patterson. Middleton inside. Nice entry pass. And the slam. Double inside Crowder. Crowder the runner. Shot it's good. Great shot blocking in these type of games. As Middleton drives. Falling away. Middleton knocks it down. The presence turns out an easy shot on Duncan and fades away from the rim. It's the presence of Young. And then a ball off the glass. Middleton has it. Taken away by Crowder. Paul fakes the three. Up top to Booker. Booker inside at eight and late. Eight lays it up and in. Good ball denial from Crowder. Adelaide looking. Inside of the football. Puts up the one-hander. Shot is good. Does it against for three. Rebound tipped and taken by Booker. Booker goes right at Middleton. Layup is good. Giannis has it. To Middleton. Middleton puts up the jumper. Puts it in. Booker rises. Booker won't go. And cut a couple another reach. Chris Paul for three. Rebound Middleton. Chris Paul drives inside and let him lay it up and in. And that makes it a six-one. Booker turns, shoots, fires. Shot won't go. Tucker the rebound. And that'll do it. It's over. The Bucks have done it. Yep, the Bucks won it. It was 105-98. The last three games didn't didn't break 100. They were just too small. And now, since Giannis has gotten his championship, do you think he's less hungry to do it? I think he wins at least one more. Maybe two. You never know. Because they don't have a super team. They have a team. And and they showed that they can 
defend and beat um, they beat some teams because uh, everybody's saying yeah the Lakers were hurt the Nets were hurt well injuries are part of the game you can only beat whoever is in front of you uh, this is the Ninja with Another Color Podcast our readers, viewers, give us five stars on Google Pod, Google, uh, Spotify. I make it the number one podcast in America. We're moving on to our next story. Did you know that uh, the voice actor for Transformers, Transformers: Combiner Wars, he was not white, and I didn't know that. Check this out. My name is Optimus Prime. And I am no longer the leader of the Autobots. For a millennia and across the galaxy, I fought for freedom. The right of all sentient beings. I was born into war. One that I thought would never end. But I was wrong. It was perhaps the dawn of the Combiner Wars that led to my revelation that the war could not be won. The weapons we use to destroy one another endlessly grow stronger. How long until our combat destroyed cities, continents? Our planets gathered my forces once again. I told them that it would come down to this. Myself versus Megatron. For a final time, one shall stand, one shall fall. Wow, that is absolutely awesome. I did not know that John Bailey was black. It is so crazy that this guy does a great a great um optimus impression i think it's awesome that it, it was him uh i gotta support the combiner wars because i watched it uh one or two times maybe maybe one or two times but that is so awesome peter cullen and now john bailey i gotta check who's doing a uh, prime in um kingdom and uh so uh Cyber War on Cybertron. I gotta check that out. Who does that one? Alright, moving on. We're gonna review uh, Black Widow. These are the best scenes in uh, Black Widow. I like how they did it to introduce the new Black Widow, and she's gonna be in uh, the Hawkeye series. Yenaba uh, Nova. Uh, check this out. You see, that comes from a chemical reaction called bioluminescence. Come on, time for dinner. You remember when I told you that one day we would have that big adventure? Today's the day. Yay! Go to mom, go to mom. Sing yourself, it looks desperate. Rogers is on the run. You got no friends. 
has to take an ibuprofen after a fight. Things you do when you whip your hair. Is there a total poser? I'm not a poser. <laughs> I'm not the killer that little girls call their hero. Oh, I stashed that like five years ago. How is it? It's dry. <laughs> <laughs> He's never going to make it. Get me closer. Got a better idea? Such a poser. You cannot kill a fox, that's We both have killed so many people. I couldn't be more proud of you. You smell really bad. It still fits. This object can be instructed to stop breathing and has no choice but to obey. Alexei could have survived 11 more seconds. That wasn't real. It was real to me. You are my mother. The best part of my life was fake. And none of you told me. Agents, you chemically subjugated around the globe? That was me. I had no it's idea. Okay. I was taken. But your mother, she never stopped looking for you. Jacob had her killed. How did you keep your heart? It only makes us stronger. Well, you told me kept me alive. To me, you were everything. Exactly. You don't care. I'm sorry. Let's not keep him waiting. When you look into the eyes of a child you have raised, no mask in the world can hide that. Welcome home. When they came and took you away from me, How did you do that? I designed these cells myself. What? What was my mother's name? Unknown. You feel anything when I killed your daughter? Chip in the back of her neck. You find it difficult to look at her. Try your life. How are you controlling me? But there is a pheromone on lock. Smelling my pheromones prevents you from committing violence against me. 
As long as we can smell him, we won't be able to hurt him. You have to sever the nerve. I can handle that. Then how will you know when to shut up? Ah! Think I can't take a punch? <laughs> you weren't quite strong enough, so I'll have to finish it myself. Ah! Sever the nerve. Make your own choices now. I know you're staying there, and I'm not gonna leave you. Should you take it to one of your super scientist friends? Tony Stark, maybe? Perfect timing. Poison Avenger when you need one. Well, what was I supposed to do? You're the only superhero person that I know. I kept checking the news. Take I killed him. They don't actually believe You really do believe that? You're so sure? Then tell me what happened. Tell me exactly. Simple as that. And you check the body? 
You're forgetting Dracov's daughter. Stuff in there, you wouldn't even know. Ah. Ah. 
Well, you did set me while you keep him around. Where's the rest? How is it? It's dry. It's really dry. He's never going to make it. Such a poser.
there I am, ice fishing with my father. For the fire, my father would say please to me. Please stop talking. Please, please wait, no, please, please wait, I please. I am reaching for fish on my hands. Oh my God. Urine is oh 35. God. How is this relevant? No. No. You have done nothing but tell me how bored you were. Exactly. You don't care. You don't care. The only thing you care about are your stupid glory days is the Crimson Dynamo and no one wants to hear about it. Get out. When I read about his widowed, the music they were singing. Miss America. Take the vials, uh, probably down to cold storage, and drip them to this antidote. Yeah, sure. Easy. Very handy pockets, yeah. You should be the one to tell them it's over. 
You came back for us. We need to be on your stuff. supposed to be bothering me on my holiday time, Valentina. You know, coming here makes you look desperate. <laughs> I want to raise the bowl for your sister's death. Piss off, ghost! Yep, that was the new uh, Black Widow. She was <coughs> Yanma Bovala. She will be in uh, cinematic Marvel universe going forward uh this is the uh, ninjas of another color podcast uh rate us review us at google spotify make us a number one podcast uh go ahead and get that vaccine uh covid vaccine aka the pfizer one the one that's 98 percent effective yeah you will get it won't stop you from getting covid but it will keep you out of the hospital and uh, moving on to our next story, an 11th grade phenom Mikey Williams signs with XL Sports for NIL deal, Nash, Nash, uh, National Image and Likeness, uh, he's in 11th grade. Will this open the door to floodgates for others? Uh, possibility, but hey, we're in a new century. Let's go ahead and get them kids paid because it's really hard to go to the NBA NFL it's uh, like one in a a moonshot our next story is Texas and Oklahoma requesting to join the SEC doesn't make any sense but hey they want to go ahead and move from the big 12 to the SEC go ahead and do that Texas A&M already made that move uh, we're going to move to um, Power 5 conferences by themselves. You never know. Uh, check this out. Oklahoma woke up and decided it was time for their football programs to just mean more as they are trying to leave the Big 12 to join the SEC. And we've got it all covered for you right here today on College Football Live. In a summer where change has been constant, College football continues that change now. Name, image, likeness, playoff expansion conversations. Everybody's freaking out. And now Texas and Oklahoma have come flying off the top rope with an elbow drop that may take down an entire conference of football. We're going to get the latest throughout the course of the day. And it starts right now with our great Heather Dinage joining us, college football reporter. Heather, obviously this is what everybody's talking about. What's the latest you're hearing on the process for Texas and Oklahoma essentially joining the SEC? Well, sources in the Big 12 have told me today that, as of today, that Texas and Oklahoma have not formally yet informed the Big 12 that they want to leave. That's important. It's a formality, but it's important because it's the first step in the process, and technically the SEC can't formally reach out and invite them 
or accept an invitation until they do that. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Um, it could happen in the near future. Uh, I'm not expecting anything in the next 24 hours. Of course, that could always change. But right now, athletic administrators in that conference are trying to figure it out. There's a bit of a sense of frustration. Look, whatever you're going to do, tell us so we can make our plans and move along. You mentioned those plans, Heather. What would be next for the Big 12 if they choose to leave? Well, on a video conference call with the eight other schools, Oklahoma and Texas were not on it yesterday evening. They scratched the surface of what they would do if Texas and Oklahoma were to leave. And part of that conversation was, well, do we go back to Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, BYU, schools that had expressed interest the last time the Big 12 had considered expanding. And there, there wasn't really a deep dive into that conversation because the focus of the video conference on Thursday afternoon was to just to try to figure out what Oklahoma and Texas are doing, why they want to do it, and what their timeline is. And I get the sense from talking to people in that league today that not much has changed. They're still searching for answers. Well, Heather, we're always searching for answers. We appreciate your insight as we try and figure all of One day we'll talk about football. Until then, we appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Uh, that was ESPN. Uh, Heather Doach and College Game Day Live talking about Texas and USC moving to Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, making it a superpower conference. But they are talking about expanding the college playoff. So we're going to hear from Colin Coward and Emmanuel Acho, uh, co-host of Speak for Yourself, on this issue. Check us out. Several years, Browns and Eagles, and I thought today was a perfect day to bring him on today. He came in early for this, uh, which he doesn't have to do, and I, I appreciate that. So my takeaway on the story that Texas and Oklahoma are going to tell the Big 12, nice knowing you, be careful what you wish for. I think they feel like the Big 12. I'd rather see them go independent. If BYU can do it, Texas can. Let me start with this. Why would Texas leave the Big 12? It makes all the sense in the world. Um, the SEC is the axis on which college football spins. And if you are Texas and you, to a degree, realize that, you say to yourself, if you can't beat them, join them. Now, not literally if you can't beat them on the football field, but the SEC's revenue last year was $730 million. The Big 12's was 409 So if you can't beat them from a fiscal perspective, maybe join them. Uh, you're, you're Texas, and you might be thinking to yourself as an alum or even as someone who's there now as a fan, Texas and Oklahoma, they hold the Big 12 Conference up. So, like, maybe you kind of get tired of holding them up. Not that Texas is all that great record-wise. Let's be real. Texas hasn't been great in a while record-wise. Oklahoma has. So maybe you get fatigued of holding this conference up. Why not go power a superstar brand like Texas with a superstar conference like the SEC? Okay, so I'm going to sound real West Coast snobby, but Texas A&M, to me, would sell their soul for a football win. Texas is a more regal brand. It's very progressive. It's very refined. That's why I say I go, I think they're a warm-weather Notre Dame. They could go independent. They don't feel as desperate or as intense as the SEC to me. They feel more Pac-12 than SEC. I understand why you say that. I know it's snobby. It, no, it's not. It's that you are what you're comprised of. 
So my first three years at Texas, we go to the Fiesta Bowl, we're 12-1. and one. We go to the national championship game against Alabama. We were not snobby. We were grimy. But that's because our defensive coordinator was Will Muschamp. Yeah. Former head coach sure. at Florida, former head coach at South Carolina. My senior year, though, Colin, my head coach was Manny Diaz. My defensive coordinator was Manny Diaz, not my head coach. Manny Diaz. Miami. Miami with the chains. Different. We were not that grimy my senior year. Defensively, we were still good, but we were grimy under Will Muschamp. So now with Sark there, where'd he come from? The SEC. A line coach, where'd he come from? The SEC. Safeties coach, where'd he come from? The SEC. So Texas, I think, has enough of that with now the new coaching, has that grimy factor. But then you look at Oklahoma. Why did A&M make such a big shock value when they joined the SEC? Because everybody in the SEC is like, what the heck is going on here? Why is that quarterback not under center? Why is there not two running backs behind the quarterback? What is this? What are five receivers doing spread out wide? Now, it's different now. The SEC has adjusted. But Oklahoma's going to shock the SEC if they join that. Shock them. Colin, it's easy to prepare for Oklahoma in two weeks before a college football Well, a bowl. Four before weeks. Bowl five weeks. It's easy to do that. Try preparing for Oklahoma on three days' notice. It will keep you up the entirety of every night. Well, when A&M came in with Johnny Manziel, Nick Saban struggled with him. Bingo. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I do think, I, I've always said, Oklahoma multiple times has played SEC teams and done a very nice job. They are, they are a pain in the butt to face. And, by the way, they now land the best quarterback in the country every year. So, mm -hmm. And, once again, they got the best quarterback in the country. Um, I think it's tougher for Oklahoma because they have that rivalry with Oklahoma State. So I think it could be messier legally. I think yeah. it could be messier for Oklahoma. But how about this? This morning, somebody on our staff was funny. I said, I, said, I don't want to be a bully with the SEC because I watch it and it's great. I said, but, you know, it feels like... Texas is too sort of slick. They're too refined. And one of the guys in the staff said, and they're too bad at football to join the SEC. <laughs> so here's my question. Isn't it easier for Texas to get to the playoff facing Texas Tech instead of LSU? That is genius, but you have to, you can't look through the peephole. You have to open up the door. Right, looking through the people, saying, of course it's easier to get through the playoff through the Big 12. You only have to beat uh, Texas Tech and Kansas State and Baylor and, and, and TCU. But if the playoff is going to expand, then it becomes irrelevant. Because if the playoff is going to move, if the playoff is at four teams, then yes, stay in the Big 12. But we all know, more than likely, the playoff, playoff is bound to expand to 12 teams. In which case, it doesn't matter if you are in the Big 12 or the SEC. If you're in the Big 12 and it's a four teams, undefeated, one loss, you'll go to the playoff. But if it expands to 12 teams, then you're fine. It's irrelevant. And so, yeah, if it's a four-team playoff, I get it. But knowing it's going to expand, get to the SEC because a two-loss SEC team will get in. There could come a day in a 12-team playoff when a three-loss SEC team gets into the playoffs. No, I totally agree there. They're going to get at least four teams in. Some years, five, and I have no problem with it at all. How about this one? Is that SEC teams are now poaching Texas for players because of A&M's inclusion in the SEC. Mm -hmm. Texas is saying, you know what? We already do fine in Texas. <laughs> but if we go to the SEC, we'll get Atlanta players. We'll get Florida players. Could Texas, because we know it's a football decision, Christel Conte and Sark, you think it's possible they sat down and, 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 and Sark said, hey, Lincoln Riley may say this, I can get more Florida guys if we're in the SEC, so what if they poach Texas? We, still, we do well in Texas. 
Is some of it just recruiting? It's all recruiting. You need as many bartering chips as possible. The, the biggest chip that Texas uses typically in recruiting beyond the brand of Texas is, well, Texas has its own network. So when you're sitting with the 18, 17-year-old kid and his parents, you can watch your son every day. All access shows. You can watch him 24-7. You can do all of this. Texas has its own network. The problem is Texas can't say we play in the best, best brand of conference. Yeah. Can't say that. And so when you're trying to convince a kid to come to Texas, uh, well, when he goes and he sits in Saban's house, Saban will just say, come on now, you know you want to play in the SEC, son. And all of a sudden, uh, you, they have the big joker, so to speak. They have the trump card. But as soon as Texas can now neutralize that, the level, the, the playing field's level. By the way, I said the Cowboys and the Longhorns, too much ego. Football's an egoless sport. And and, the, and they're, my knock on Texas. And this Colin, is, are you saying I'm cocky? Not you per se. Okay. What I'm saying is Texas football's underachieved for 25 years. Too much meddling, too many big eagle boosters. That's my takeaway. There's no reason Texas football is not a top three program in the country. they got more players than Ohio. Why is Ohio State there and Texas isn't? Put, That's me on, a, put me on the spot, Colin. You know I'm an alum. By the way, you a same argument I make for USC. USC and Texas, there is no excuse they're not top five programs. None. The problem, I think, with Texas, the Cowboys, USC, Michigan, is the current players rest on the success of the former players. When you show up, let's talk Cowboys first. I don't have to be so personal. When you walk into the Cowboys facility, one Cowboys way over in Frisco, Texas... As soon as you walk in, there are a million dollars worth of chandeliers. True story. I used yeah. to work there for two years. million dollars in chandeliers. So before you ever have to earn anything, you're given everything. How the heck are you going to be good? You don't have to grind. At Texas, I played on probably the second or third best team in Texas history my sophomore year. We go to the national championship. Then I played on the worst team in Texas history the next year. We go five and seven. What was the difference? The difference was we lost the hunger. We went to the ship. Two previous years, Colin, we were 23-1. and one. We'll roll out of bed. We'll beat everybody. We'll be under That sounds like ego. It is. But it's, it's ego that you garnered because of other success. So, in theory, they are. It, it is, it's a pride issue, but you've got to strip that back. And I think that comes down from coaching. Yeah. Well, I mean, Saban, you're not going to have much of an ego with Saban. Yeah. I mean, college football is. It's coaching's almost everything. It really is. I was saying this before, talking to the producer. How many elite coaches are there in college football? I think the elite coaches dictate elite programs. It's that simple. About six. Bingo. I had that conversation with a buddy the other day. Uh, speak for yourself, Cole. Yep. He's speaking knowledge, yeah. If he's going to expand to 12 teams, don't have to move. But if it's four, you never know. But we'll keep an eye on that story. And now we're going to hear from Tom Ludenbill about what they're saying in Texas A&M. There you go. So obviously not everybody's thrilled with this, including Texas Tech's athletic director, Ted Mitchell, who said, like many across our state and within the footprint of our league, I've been extremely disappointed by the actions and intentions of our friends in Austin and Norman. From day one of the Big 12 Conference's existence, Texas Tech has been a proud and trustworthy partner. Let's bring in some proud and trustworthy partners here. By the way, this statement also says the landscape of collegiate athletes shifts. I can promise Red Raider Nation that our leadership will diligently pursue all options to best position Texas Tech for long-term success. 
So let's break it down. Tom Lugenbull, Harry Lyles. We got Lugs and Lyles. I feel like we've got the next best thing since air supply. Guys, got a lot to break down here. Lugs, let's start with you. What's next for the Big 12? Well, first and foremost, guys, is anybody as stunned as I am that in this day and age of access and instant information in the Internet and people not being able to keep their mouth shut, that this went on for six months and Bob Bowlesby and nobody else in the league had any clue this bomb was being dropped. I think that's that's staggering. And it's almost sinister, if you will. What's next? The end of the Big 12. And the problem is, I'm listening to Heather there, the television rights negotiation and the power that you have has a lot to do with your member institutions. Is that going to cut it with a Houston, with a Memphis, with a Cincinnati? Does that make up a Power 5 conference? I don't think it does. I don't think you have a Power 5 conference in the Big 12 without Texas or Oklahoma. There are four slots left to make a 16-team league in the Pac-12. Two in the Big 10, two over in the ACC. Some teams better start planning an exit strategy. You mentioned the Pac-12, and before we get to you, Harry, let's at least acknowledge here what the Pac-12 commissioner had to say. As he said, quote, I consider the Pac-12 an exclusive club with a high barrier to entry. We love the schools and teams we have today. We're not actively seeking to poach any teams from any conference, but we'd be foolish to not listen if schools call us. So uh, kind of the, I, I think, the statement we would expect. Harry Lyles, what's next then for the Big 12 as they try and figure this out? I mean, first off, that's kind of a hilarious statement from the Pac-12 just to, like, say, hey, we're exclusive, but if you guys want in, we're listening. Uh, I Honestly, I feel like everybody's kind of got to be on their toes here right now just because when you look at what the SEC would become, if you are the Big 12, if you are the Pac-12, if you are the ACC, if you're the Big 10, you're open to anything at this point just so you could keep up with the SEC. You know, I actually just got back from SEC media days yesterday and they handed out these, which is supposedly antibacterial hand sanitizer, but I, I think this might be tears from the other four of the Power Five, because if you're them, you got to figure something out, and you got to figure something out quick, because it seems like this is happening a lot faster than we thought. Well, and, and keep in mind, too, with Texas and Oklahoma, Harry, we've only had one team between those two actually challenge in the college, in the college football playoff, all right? So now you remove another viable conference option to crash the party, and if we're going to talk about playoff expansion, we're inevitably going to start talking about power conferences being built around this. But that's part of this conversation, Luke, that I think is interesting because playoff expansion, even if we go to 12 teams, now other commissioners need to be looking around and saying, how do we protect ourselves from six or eight of those teams coming out of the SEC? Because that becomes a reality, right? Doesn't it? It has to. I, I, I think it does. And, and again, this is going to turn into a lot of CYA. Everybody's got to come up with a plan to be in the mix. Where are we going to belong? Where are we going to go? And let's not forget, this isn't just about the sport of football. Think about it if you're Kansas. You might say on the surface, oh, Kansas isn't overly uh, you know, attractive. Well, they are in basketball, so it's not just football. Yeah, Tom, and I think this honestly has a trickle-down effect to the group of five teams because yeah. you know some of the schools that you mentioned that could possibly join the Big 12 uh, that's going to just continue to have a snowball effect. This is going to affect a lot of the smaller conferences as well, and I think that the effect here is just going to be something that none of us can really predict. Yeah, this is going to be epic, epic change, which we're getting used to this summer, but this really truly changes the entire landscape. Now, if there's one thing we know, college football Twitter accounts are always on top of making us laugh, and this was no exception. Maryland wasted no time posting this from their official account, as you see. Uh, lose to Maryland in the Big Ten, swerve off. Join the SEC. Good work by Maryland. Anytime you control somebody in a little college football 
Uh, I love it. In the meantime, the dominoes that could fall from this situation are absolutely endless. We'll break. Thanks for watching ESPN on YouTube. Yep. That was Tommy Leuvenbilt on the move. I still think it's a long shot, but you never know, man. You never know if they going to go ahead and make that move possible because if they expand expand it to 12 teams doesn't make any sense but moving on to our next subject uh, this is the Ninja's Another Color podcast it is July 24th uh, rate us, review us, give us uh, five stars on Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, this week, we're not going to review Flash because I didn't watch it yet. Also, we're not going to review Lois and Clark, uh, Lois and, is it Superman? Superman and Lois, whatever. Haven't, I haven't watched that one yet, so we're going to do that next week. Uh, we're going to go, since there's no more Loki, we're going to go to Bad Batch. Uh, this week was a heist. I guess you can call it a heist uh, week. It's still fun. Um, they had to get spice because someone rolled in and tried to take on their, their spot. And they helped. I guess he's a... Uh, check out the highlights. have a slight infestation problem.
got rid of the spice, right? It, it was all her idea. Oh, it yeah, it was a distraction. We weren't going to hurt Ruby. The shipment was stolen. You'll get your money. We did not come to hear excuses. I suggest you go back to Obadiah and wait. Either you correct this grave mistake, or you and your entire family will experience what pain truly feels like. You sure your pal is safe? The Pikes already came for Roland. I told you, they don't take kindly to unpaid debts. That's her. She's the one you want. If you know where the spice is, then you should have no problem retrieving it. Until you do, the child stays here. We can't leave Omega with them. Muscles and I will rappel down into the cavern and locate the crates. I got the kid into this mess, and I'll get her out. Found one! Ruby doesn't take a liking to many people. It's almost night. Those things are gonna wake up. I am preparing for that possibility. Bring us up. Quit squirming. Maybe they didn't hear it. I don't think we're that lucky. What's going on? it out it was a a filler episode because it really was like a heist kind of thing and they did it just I guess to fill time so I liked it but you never know but that was episode 13 they got I think Three more episodes left before season one is over. Hopefully they go get um, Crosshair and bring him back to the fold before whatever happens at the end of season one. And now on to our main story tonight. Our main story tonight is Masters of the Universe Revelation and the backlash that happened. For some reason they the internet just went crazy when Netflix dropped five episodes here's my review I give it a four out of five uh, the music score sucks uh, Skeletor sounds too much like the Joker so I can live with that but the music score sucks they were like raving and ranting this dude from um I guess he did scores for The Walking Dead I guess I never heard The Walking Dead before, but I really don't like it, but he'll be alright. Uh, let's hear an exclusive clip from the Masters of the Universe Revelation. I look forward to 
to our next tussle, but I won't hold my breath. an exclusive clip from Masters of the Universe Revelations yep the if you go to I guess Rotten Rotten Tomatoes yeah you got a 94% on critics and 28% on regular people but I think it got that because of the controversy of the first five episodes because they said it was supposed to be a, a Tila. A, someone broke the story that is, is mostly Tila and He-Man's going to step aside. But in the first five episodes, that's what it's trending to. But you got to wait to the, the end. Like I said, I give it a four out of five. The only thing that sucks is the music. The music score really sucks. And there's a reason why they have to get new music. It's a rights issue. A rights issue. So, before I get you to the most funniest review I've ever heard, we're gonna see why they couldn't use the filmation, filmation information. Check this out. Masters of the Universe and toy fans, welcome back to the Spectra Creative Channel. I'm Scott Toy Guru Nightlick. I was the brand manager for Masters of the Universe for about 10 years, which makes it about, you know, like 25% of the brand's total life. And in that time, I've picked up quite a lot of knowledge about the brand. And in today's video, we're going to tackle a subject that is both confusing and confusing. Who owns the rights to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, or just Masters of the Universe, or She-Ra, Princess of Power, or however you wanted to find the brand. The rights to this brand are 
for lack of a better word, headache-producing. It is a twisted, convoluted schematic of companies buying companies, selling off IP, selling off brand rights, selling off parts of brand rights. Needless to say, sometimes, hey, I could even be completely wrong on this. But I'm going to try to put the pieces together the best that I can with the best information I have, knowing that I haven't been at Mattel in over five years and things may have changed. All right, so for starters, it's a mess. Let's just start it right there and no ifs, ands, or buts. There's absolutely no way to define the ownership of the Masters of the Universe brand without first admitting that it is a confusing pile of bleep. All right, so let's jump in. If you Google who owns Masters of the Universe, it will say that it's owned by Mattel. But Google may also be confusing this with who created Masters of the Universe. And Google's definitely not right here. And that is absolutely factual. While Mattel has definitely had its fair share of lawsuits over the years with different people, the ownership of the brand and the idea that it's in question, well, that goes back to intellectual property and how intellectual property works. And this is all information out there in the public domain. I'm not giving away anything proprietary. So to understand how intellectual property works, it's important to understand that it can be divided up into categories. You can have intellectual property that's entertainment and intellectual property that's physical objects. And sometimes they can intermix or be separated. So I don't think anyone is doubting that Mattel created the Masters of the Universe brand in the early 1980s, and it's all started off with toys and mini-comics, eventually branching out to TV. Now, if you want to know who physically created He-Man, there's a great video on my channel where I cover that in detail. But for now, let's just all agree that the Masters of the Universe brand was created at Mattel by Mattel employees, and then eventually Filmation came along and made entertainment and had some of the entertainment rights to the property as part of the deal and had basically carte blanche to do a lot of what they wanted. Mattel didn't have as much control in the Filmation series as later IP deals had later on with other companies. Kind of non-traditional, if you will, where the Filmation studio had way more control. Mattel still had control of the action figures, and the action figure category was something that remained at Mattel, and it continued to make, even to this day, this video being recorded in August of 2020. Well, it's almost September. It's the last day of August. All right, so now let's go through the ownership. So Mattel sells the entertainment rights to Masters of the Universe to Hallmark. Hallmark then sells the rights to Entertainment Rights, which sells the rights to Classic Media. The live-action rights are currently with Sony. So Sony as a studio has just the live-action rights, similar to the way they have rights to Spider-Man. Now, the original live-action uh, movie with Dolph Lundgren, directed by Godard, that is owned by, the, by Warner Brothers, which is the studio that bought Canon, which is the uh, production studio that originally made the Gary Goddard film. So that's a whole other thing altogether and not related to Sony's current live-action rights. But the original is under Warner Brothers. All right, so where are we now? 
it's obviously that the rights have passed along to multiple companies, but we are not done yet. So Classic Media, which manages to, which, which is the owner of the rights, and actually during the time that Classics is coming out, is the time period when Classic Media owns the entertainment rights to the brand. Well, for those of you who collected the Masters of the Universe Classics figures, you can easily look at any of them and turn them over and see TM and Copyright Mattel on the bottom of the box. And yes, that's true, the toy is TM and Copyright to Mattel, but every single uh, Classics action figure, action figure, action figure that we made, Mattel paid a royalty to Classic Media, because Classic Media had the rights to the property, which all started with Mattel selling the rights to Hallmark, which then went to Entertainment Rights, and then to Classic Rights, Classic Media. So even though all of the toys are copyrighted to Mattel, we're still paying Classic Media, and now Classic Media is owned by DreamWorks. DreamWorks comes along and buys Classic Media, so now DreamWorks is the IP owner to Masters of the Universe. But wait, we're not done yet. So if you look at things like the Dark Horse coffee table books that came out during this period when DreamWorks acquired Classic Media, you will clearly see a giant DreamWorks logo on the back. Now, DreamWorks was then acquired by Universal. So Universal, by buying DreamWorks, which had ownership of the Classic Media catalog, they are now the de facto owners of the Masters of the Universe brand, at least the entertainment rights. Mattel, because of a clause in the contract, maintained first rights to toys. So Mattel can continue to produce action figures based on, or any toy category really, based on Masters of the Universe. They have first right to pass. If they pass on doing a certain category, Universal could take that to another toy company. But they have to come to Mattel first. But the end is nigh. Because this only goes through 2023, when all rights revert to the IP holder, which is now Universal. Whew, yeah, I know. It, as I said in the beginning, this was going to be a bit of a confusing video with lots of company names. But in the conclusion, or at least at the conclusion of all of this bouncing around of IP and companies buying companies, well, even Universal now has a partnership with Hasbro, with even rumors of Universal and Hasbro connecting. And if that should happen, that means Universal could go to Hasbro starting in 2023 to make Masters of the Universe toys. How weird would that be? Is anyone else out of breath? I'm definitely out of breath at this point. Yeah, I know. It's a lot to take in. And it's definitely not a straight line or a... Uh, easy-to-understand flowchart in any sense of the word. So while we all agree that Masters of the Universe was created at Mattel back in the early 80s by a group of amazing toy makers who put a lot of love into it, Universal, through acquisition of DreamWorks, is now the de facto owner, at least of the entertainment rights, to Masters of the Universe, except for live action. Live action is with Sony. So, to re recap, Universal bought DreamWorks, and through the acquisition of buying DreamWorks, acquired the entire catalog of classic media. Sony has the live-action rights, at least 
until I think they stop trying to make a movie. Uh, once they stop, those rights revert as well to Universal. Mattel continues to have the toy rights until 2023, in which they will then revert to Universal, and Universal can do whatever they want with the toy and the entertainment rights. But until then, Mattel can still put TM and copyright Mattel on all of their toy product, even though they're paying a royalty to Universal. At least I assume they are. Now this is a picture of a horse wearing a diaper. It's just as confusing as the ownership of Masters of the Universe. I know that we paid classic media royalty. I have to assume that Mattel is now paying Universal the same exact royalty since Universal now owns the classic media library through their acquisition of DreamWorks. And again, classic media, getting that from entertainment rights and then Hallmark. Anything could change at any moment. Of course, I could be totally wrong in any of this. I have not worked for Mattel for many years, but I did trace a lot of this at Mattel, and I actually had legal coming to me as the expert a lot of times because I was one of the only people who tried to understand it. And yes, it gives even me a headache because it's crazy and it's a beloved brand. Who knows what will happen in the future? If you like this video, if you're confused by anything still, let me know. Give it a like. I would most appreciate that. That helps the uh, YouTube algorithm, as does a subscription, and helps get these. All right. That was a video on YouTube in August of 2021. And if he's correct... Comcast, aka Universal, owns the rights for uh, Filmation. So the Filmation to um, TV show. So, by doing that, that's why uh, the Masters of the Universe doesn't have the original score. They would have to pay Universal, aka Comcast. And in 2023, the rights revert back to. Universal, aka Comcast, aka that's where I work. So technically, I will own Masters of the Universe. Oh, that is so awesome. Okay, I, I played that because I wanted, because of all the backlash that was going on, people don't understand why the, I guess, you couldn't use some of the, the figures because we haven't seen Stratos, we haven't seen. Um, Ramman. Um, you seen Trapjaw, but uh, it just didn't make any sense that these people were just going in as only five episodes. But now I'm going to play you a the most funniest review that I've heard, uh, because everybody's take going after Kevin Smith, but thinking that it's a woke thing or whatever, but. Uh, I like the show, but like I said, my opinion is I don't like the score. They should have used the filmation, and that's why they couldn't use the score. All right, you got to check this out. Just listen to this. Gee whiz, I don't know what all the fuss is about Masters of the Universe Revelations. It's not woke at all. It's the greatest thing ever. Just a lot of action and adventure and excitement. Woo, I just love it. I can't wait for any more. Shut the fuck up. What's up, guys? This is the Gospel According to Mark with a C. He is I, and I am he. Just taking some time to tell you exactly, exactly what's on my mind. And let me tell you something, guys. I saw 
Masters of the Universe revelation a couple of days ago, and I just chilled. I didn't make a video about it because my son was home, and I don't like to start ranting and raving and quite frankly cussing when my son is home, so I relaxed, and in that time, I was hoping that maybe I would calm down off of this, but no, no, not at all. This is an offense. This is, is a slap in the face. It's a tragedy. It's a lie that Kevin Smith told. An actual lie. And I haven't even been following this bullshit story, you know, since it got started. But I do understand that Kevin Smith tries to pass himself off as one of you. I'm just one of you. I'm a fan like one of you. Oh my God, I can't believe I made it. And I get backstage and I get to see all of these productions before they're over. And they're all so beautiful. It makes me cry. I'm Kevin Smith and I'm one of you. And I can promise you that He-Man is not going to get sidelined in his own show. Fuck if he, he lied. He lied. That's all that happened. He As a matter of fact, this show exists to shit on He-Man. All right? It exists to shit on his fans. You don't even have to be a fan. I don't consider myself some super fan from back in the day. Yes, I had the toys and shit, but it wasn't like a Star Wars thing to me. You know what I mean? It's not like I've been waiting for decades to see whatever happened to He-Man. No, it wasn't about that. You know what I mean? But... Here it is. I still feel like I've been slapped in the face. I can't believe. I felt like I got... If, if anyone saw that old um, uh, movie with Charlton Heston, Ben-Hur, when my man gets trampled over by the chariots and he's all torn up and shit, that's how I felt after watching these five episodes. Well, why did you watch the five episodes, Mark? Well, I was bored, number one. And number two, I just knew the shit was going to turn around. You know what I mean? Because I, I can tell you this, right? The show is pleasing to the eye. After, after about a decade of seeing uh, shit like Thundercats Roar and Teen Titans Go, which I don't mind, by the way, Teen Titans anyway, but after about a decade of seeing that, that crazy, ridiculous, infantile, silly-looking animation, looking at Masters of the Universe, just looking at it, you were like, okay, we're coming back around. I, I like the look of this, right? So I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on. Besides... Kevin Smith is a fan. He's one of us. We can trust him. He cries to get backstage access, right? He can't be a shill. No. So when you saw that he was writing and producing and all over the internet saying his, about his involvement in all of this, you're like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? So I sat there, right? I sat there. And I watched this thing, right? And I'm like, it'll turn around. It'll turn around. It'll turn around. You know, but, um... After a while, I was just like, you know what, this shit's not going to turn around, but I'm going to do a video about this, so let me see how this shit plays out, right? Now I'm watching it just on that, that level where, you know, i got to at least know a little bit about what I'm talking about, but I'm not even going to get so much into the plot, because the plot is... Okay, just a uh, spoiler alert, if I didn't say it before, back to, back to the review. Bullshit, okay? The only thing this is, exists for is to prop up Tila, right, and to put down He-Man. That's all it's there for, you know, and it's called Masters of the Universe. I'll give them that, that they had the actual balls to take He-Man's name off of it so they can say, well, we said it was Masters of the Universe. We didn't say it was about He-Man. <laughs> okay, you remember the video of the uh, previous incarnation where the rights issue? That's why it wasn't called He-Man in the Masters of the Universe. They didn't have the rights to go ahead and use that one education people uh -huh. all right touche motherfucker all right fine okay so there it is masters of the universe but still 
You don't have to shit on He-Man in order to prop up Teela. This is what we've been saying for the longest. You don't have to kill the legacy characters or disgrace them just to prop up the characters that you want to prop up. In this case, it just so happens that most of the time they're going to prop up the marginalized you know, the, the black characters, the gay characters, the women characters. Let's just give them a boost up on the backs of the legacy characters that just so happen to be white and not give any respect to those characters. So that's my problem right there, okay? Because clearly, from the opening scene, it starts off being Teela's story. She's badass. She's standing around with her arms crossed and everything. Prince Adam is in the back acting like a little biatch. You know what I mean? But okay, it's Prince Adam. Once he uh, puts his little dick up in the air, he's going to turn into He-Man. And then He-Man is He-Man. But of course, He-Man in this day and age is it's, it's threatening. You know, first of all, his name is He-Man. Two things that are identified to be toxic in today's society. It would have been different if it was She-Woman, right? But no, He-Man, you knew he was going to have to go. And go, he did. Like I said, not even getting into the plot because fuck the plot. You can imagine what ended up happening. He-Man, they gave him some paper-thin little, you know, little uh, sacrifice to make for all of eternity, right? So he get, he mixes it, mixes it up with Skeletor and ends up giving his life to save everybody. Oh, oh, it's so beautiful. Look at the sunrise. Okay, so there, He-Man is fucking gone, right? So no sooner than He-Man is gone, right? They had a... Um, they had this little celebration for Tila, of course, right? So they're having a celebration for Tila, and um, unfortunately, there's this little uh, inconvenience, like He-Man's death, that fucks it up. And in an instant, like one minute, it's fireworks and everything. Everyone's all happy and everyone's all proud to be who they are. Tila's acting like she cares about being man in arms, you know, and um, you know her duty and her, you know, her responsibility. You know, she's ready to do this in the blink of an eye. It's like the movie Carrie, Carrie, when the uh, blood bucket pours down all over everybody, all of a sudden, somebody pours a bucket of soy all over this shit, right? And everybody, all of a sudden, He-Man has not been dead for maybe 30 seconds, and everybody makes it about them. All right, it starts off, right, when they find out that He-Man is dead. Okay, the king gets up there, people of the realm, He-Man, Eternia's champion, is dead. Dayud, we will honor He-Man. Excuse me, excuse me, sire. He-Man was your son, Adam. What the fuck? I, I will, I'll kill every last one of you, motherfucker. Get out, everybody, get out. I don't give a shit. What, you want some? You can get some. You stand right there. Now, he's going crazy, right? And um, then Man-at-Arms, he threatens to kill Man-at-Arms if Man-at-Arms doesn't leave, all right? Because now he's found out that He-Man is Prince Adam, his son. Now, all of a sudden, there's no longer... He-Man gave his life for the realm. Now it's like, how the fuck couldn't you tell me about this, right? So he's mad at Man-at-Arms. Man-at-Arms has got like about two seconds to get the fuck out before he beheads him. Uh, his daughter, Tila, is standing there. And he's like, Tila, get this sack of shit out of here. Tila turns around and says, you know what? I quit. I the hell with all of you. All of a sudden, it's about everybody else in the room. Never mind the He-Man is dead. Eternia's champion has given his life, and Prince Adam has given his life. Nobody takes a second to stop and think about what the burden that this man has been carrying all these years. All that matters is that my feelings, my feelings are hurt, and, you know, fuck Eternia and everybody else, right? So, what's her name? 
we don't know what happens with the family. We don't know what happens with Man at Arms in, in that particular moment. But Teela bounces, right? She decides she's going to take off her little uh, headpiece. And, you know, she throws it on the floor. She takes her sword and throws it on the floor. I thought she was going to take off her clothes. I was hoping she was going to take off her clothes. Let's see what that ass do, Tila. But no, I guess this is the wrong kind of show. But she starts stripping for some reason. And she leaves. All right? And then she goes and does what most uh, distraught, strong, empowered women do these days. Where she does what they do in 21st century Earth. In Eternia, she does this. She goes and shaves half her head and goes and gets herself a black woman sidekick. And then they go trouncing off not having sex together because they don't want to commit to what they imply, okay? So then they go off, right? And somehow they're joined by um, by uh, Skeletor's uh, side piece, right? Because Skeletor's gone now too, right? So they're joined by uh, Skeletor's hoe, um, uh, Evil Lynn, right? And actually, Evil Lynn should have been uh, voiced by Mary J. Blige, I felt like, because she starts going on and on and on about how, you know, uh, she was disillusioned, you know, she helped Skeletor, you know, to come up, but she should have been coming up because she was just as good as Skeletor, so why should she give all of her energy to a man, and like I said, they should have called her Evelyn Blige, you know, I was your lover and your secretary, working every day of the week. When I was at your job when no one else was there Helping you get on your feet Eleven years I sacrificed And you could leave me at the drop of a dime Swallow my tears Swallow my pride I should have left your ass a thousand times Hey, I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna shed no tears No, I'm not gonna cry another time Because you're not worth my tears Okay, so that was Evil Lynn Blige, okay? So she's walking around talking about, yeah, but I wasn't the only one, uh, uh, Tila. You were in love with He-Man. You wanted that He-Man bone, you know what I mean? But, you know, so they're bonding in that way, right? And they're feeling the bestial chest all over the place, or whatever that's called, where two women can't be in the same scene without talking about a man. That's all they did was talk about a man. And along the way, they go and hook up with uh, some other monstrosity, right? They hook up with um, some some robot, right, that looks like a cross, Roboto, I think his name, you know, um, looks like a cross between Iron Man, uh, uh, Snake Eyes, and he sounds like uh, Data, you know, from Star Trek, you know, so, you know, he's doing all of this bullshit, and he's talking all of this nonsense, or whatever, they're going on having these adventures, and getting themselves in trouble, and every time they get in over their head, Man-at-Arms shows up, like, I guess he's just, like, sitting up on a mountain, just waiting you know, to swoop in and save the day. Every time they get into a problem, you know, here is uh, Tila trying to be her own woman and everything, and every time she fucks up, here comes Daddy to help her, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, it goes on like that for something like three or four episodes, and then they finally run into um, Prince Adam, right? Like I said, I, I, who gives a shit about the plot? They end up up in heaven or something like that, in the afterworld or something. So they meet, uh, you know, some, some black dude and you know, some other people up there, and they give a lot of jokes about how they call Prince Adam Wee Man, Wee Man, they should have just called him PP Man, but they have a lot of jokes at Prince Adam's expense, you know what I mean? So I'm sure Kevin Smith and his little, you know, peons or whatever, they had a, a bunch of, you know, a, a lot of fun, you know, doing that, you know, just laughing at the shit, you know what I mean? You know, plus, um, you know, what, what else did they do? They put in, like, little jokes here. I believe there was a reference to no glove, no love, or something like that. Like, you know, for people who were saying that this shit is not woke, you know what? Okay, fine. 
Okay, it's not woke. As a matter of fact, you're not woke. You're asleep. You got to see what's in front of your very face, man. There's a such there's a such thing as subtext, and this shit was was dripping with subtext. It was all over the place. Okay, not to mention he man. Okay, he, he, you know they say that Prince Adam was in heaven as Prince Adam because he forsook the he man persona. He chose to be Prince Adam in heaven and not He-Man. And they made it a point of saying he chose to be, he's the only one up here who chose to be his weaker self. And so we call him We-Man. <laughs> All right, so they meet up with Prince Adam, right? And um, it gets to the point where uh, something happens, you know, I don't give a fuck about spoilers. You know something, I'm going to put it in the, uh, the thumbnail, whatever. Uh, spoiler alert, okay? Uh, they managed to kill Orko, you know, they give him some, like, really pathetic backstory about, you know, he was Oracle, I mean, Oracle, and, um, you know, he was kind of like the, the retard of Orcos and stuff, so, you know, they kind of rejected him, and, you know, he's going to have to do this, and he's bonding with uh, evil Limblage, and, you know, they're, I don't know, I don't know if they were, they were going to sleep together or what was happening, but uh, before they could... He ended up having to sacrifice himself, okay? So Orko was fucking dead, all right? Orko. Never really gave a shit about Orko, but I'm pretty sure this wasn't honoring his legacy to do him this way. But Orko was fucking gone, all right? So you got Prince Adam. Like I said, they come up uh, uh, to Prince Adam. Prince Adam is chilling in heaven. They give a lot of explanations about why he shouldn't go back because, after all, it's paradise. And he has earned this as He-Man defending the universe for so long. Now he can rest, all right? But for some reason, Prince Adam decides he's going to go back down to uh, Eternia with Tila because they just need him so badly, right? So they explain to Prince Adam that if you go, um, if you go, you'll never be able to come back, in other words. You know what I mean? You go down there, deal is off. You only get to forsake heaven one time. Prince Adam says, I fucking know that. I'm going anyway, right? So I'm like, okay, well, things are going to turn around because he's going to be He-Man. He-Man didn't get sidelined for long anyway. He's coming back. Right? So, okay, let's see where this shit goes, right? So, Prince Adam goes back to Eternia. I shit you not, within maybe 15 seconds of him putting his toe on the ground, he gets fucking shanked from behind by Skeletor. Okay? He gets ran through with a spear. He's down. He's down. And he's probably, he looks like, it, well, he should be dead. Okay? I don't know if they confirmed it. They didn't call it. But he got ran straight through, okay? As he was raising his sword to say, by the power of... Right through the back and out through the other side. There's Prince Adam laying on the ground, bleeding out. And that's the end of it all, guys. Like I said, uh, you know, the robot also gave his life at some point. You know, Roboto and everything. So, you know, that was that, okay? So, um, you know, there it is, guys. I mean, basically, that's what they gave us with the first five episodes. Okay, so as you can see, the revelation here, when it says Masters in the Universe revelation, the big revelation is that Kevin Smith is a lying sack of shit, okay, and this is one of those overblown vanity projects, all right? I can say that this looks great. The animation looks great, you know what I mean? Everything, you know, the illustrations and everything, the music. I think, you know, what gets me here is that this is probably the best example, the best illustration, no pun intended, yet that a good-looking show can be, and even a good, uh, you know, scored show, you know, music and all that stuff, 
it's a great illustration of how all of those things can add up and it can still be derailed by wokeness. You know what I mean? Like, it's just there, man. It's like you see they're trying to be gritty. They, they throw in some hells. They throw in some dams. You know, a little bit of innuendo here and there and everything. You can see that somebody somewhere is trying to be cutting edge. But you just have to, in your mind, remember that there's an agenda that's here. You have to please the feminists. You have to please everybody else on the outside of the fandom. You know, they have to see something that makes them smile too. And you can, you, I could just feel it. It's like, it's dripping all over this thing, man. You know what I mean? And I think that's what pissed me off more than anything in the world. Like, it could have been great. You can see where it could have been great. You can feel where it could have been great. But every, like, few steps, they gotta, they gotta throw in the agenda. You know, they gotta throw in the disrespect. They gotta throw in the, the subversion of expectations. Every few steps, you feel it. You feel them smacking you down. Oh, oh, you want this? No. Oh, you want He-Man back? Okay, we'll let you believe he's coming back. Then no. You know, you want this character? No. And it keeps on going on and on and on, guys. It's all over this. You know, like I, it's it's the most interesting shit in the world. You know, if you just look at it. You know, and then you realize, like I said, uh, Kevin Smith, you know, so-called fanboy and all that stuff, and his people, like, they just, they, they, they're there in a vacuum where nobody stops to think, like, who would want to see it this way? You know, why would anybody want to see it this way who's familiar with the old shit? Now, I know that there's some people out there who are, they're loving it. Like I said before, this can do no wrong. It looks great and everything. It's exciting. There's adventure. Like I said, I'll give it all of that. But you can't have this air of disrespect for what came before that's running over it this way. It, it, I, I, my mind is blown, guys. My mind is blown. I, I just, I wish that I did videos where it was scripted. I would mauler the shit out of this. I would critical drinker the fucking shit out of this. But I make it a point to just come off the top, you know, so that's what I do. But guys, there's so many different ways that this fails. And like I said, this is just the latest. So for everyone who sees these trailers, right, and when we see the little signs of where it can go wrong, everyone who comes back and, you know what, you didn't even watch it yet. Why can't you just give it a try? This is what we're talking about, guys. This is like years of this kind of thing by now. They keep on picking up things from the past that people like us remember and they keep fucking it up so we can't be apprehensive about that we can't call it when we see it no no that doesn't work this doesn't work you got to listen to the fans at some point you know if you're going to blame us you know for the failure of it and that's what they do and that's what's going to happen here so anyway guys um that's it for me i want you guys to uh tell me you know, what did you think about this? You know, if you liked it, that is fine. You don't need to be coming in here disrespecting me. I didn't say anything about you personally. I talked about how I felt about this shit right here. All right? So you can get in the comment section and share that. But please try to keep that in mind, okay? No need for personal attacks. All right. So anyway, guys, as always, you can like, you can share, you can subscribe. And as always, you can catch me on Twitter. If not, I will see you on the next one. We'll be talking about this more, I'm sure, on the Dark Council this coming Tuesday. Probably, I think it's on Abu Nas's channel, but we'll be giving everyone notice. So uh, anyway, I'll catch you in the next one. This is The Gospel According to Mark with a C. Alrighty, where do I start? That's why I went ahead and employed that IP uh, section, because a lot of people don't know 
that they didn't have the uh, rights to the IP of the filmation story. So, when did we when did we become so uh, masochistic? Is that a word? Male sh male dominated. He talking about wokeness, but why is it woke? I don't understand why he is so upset. He's so mad. Like I said, I give it a four out of five because the music score sucks. It actually does. And I know why it sucks. Because they didn't have the rights to the old music. If they had rights to the old music, it will be a perfect ten for me. Uh, but again, it's five episodes. I disagree with Netflix giving you five episodes the first time and then have you hanging for probably what four to five weeks for the other ones but you just gotta wait but it is like visually it's a stunning show I like the story I like the part where Queen Marlena knew that Adam was uh, He-Man and King Randor didn't that was a good because that was in filmation also she also knew that he was he-man they hinted to it also uh, so if uh, one of the thing they did that they paid homage to black star because black star had had a, a power sword that split in half and in the comics the sword split uh, the sword split in half if you ever read the comics of Masters of the Universe, the power sword actually splits into two. Skeletor had one, He-Man had another. And during the comics, they had the fight for the, the rights. And also, uh, Skeletor sounds like a Joker. If you really listen, uh, Mark Hamill is doing the Joker, and I have no problem with that. I can live with that. But only bad part is that the music sucks ass. And yeah, but we gotta get out of our way about this being woke. So what? It's the 21st century. It's not uh, 1985, 84, or 82, because the toys were made before the cartoon in 1981, and then the cartoon premiered in 82 because it was on for two years. Was it on for two years? Because it's uh 165 episodes. Uh, two years or three years, something like that. But again, this is—I don't understand why it's, it's so hard to understand that it's only five episodes, half a season, and everybody wants it canceled. Well, the minimal people wants it canceled. But we'll see when they release the other ten. Because uh, he was talking on his uh, podcast today, talking about it has been renewed for a season two. So I will be watching. I am a, a fan that you didn't know. Also, did you catch that that guy was black? Uh, you can reach us at Ninjas of a Color Podcast at gmail.com. Give us your response. Uh, let me see what you thought about it if you haven't seen it. If you didn't, uh, we'll see. You can go on YouTube and read the reviews that they think it's horrible. But it's not. It's The story is good. They just... I do agree that they they try to get 
I understand they're giving you a character that you can re, uh, ref, see yourself in. This uh, Latino and King Grace called is black, but in the 2002 series, he was white. I have no problem with that. If you want to leave him as black, fine. Inclusion is everything. Uh, we didn't see Stratos and we didn't see Ram Man, so. Hopefully in the either season two or the back half of the the season one that we do. Uh, this is your host Wayne Ali for Ninjas of Another Ninjas of Another Color podcast. You can reach us at Twitter, uh, Gmail, uh, IG, Facebook. Give us a review, read us, review us, give us five stars, and I will see you next week.